You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to the program. It's hour one on this Tuesday. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. The great Patrick Ewing will talk about the Jordan documentary, as painful as it still is for him, in about a half hour from now. Also check in with Brooks Kepka, great golfer, four-time major winner, Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk will join us a little bit later on. We talk about the release of the NFL schedule, and it will happen on Thursday night. It's going to be a three-hour process. NFL Network and ESPN will air the release of the NFL schedule. And aside from everything involved that uh, we're doing during this coronavirus, it's pretty amazing that the league has made this into a TV show. They're the kings of turning something into something big. The draft is monstrous. Those ratings were unbelievable. The scouting combine all over TV networks. They ran free agency specials. There's path to the draft. Pretty much anything that you can uh, do with football, they try to take advantage of it. What's next? Rookie mini camp roundup or franchise tender Friday. Owners meetings unplugged. Really, it's just an excuse for everybody to talk football. And that's what we're doing right now, talking football, which is great. But it's funny that the NFL and every other league is used to going about its business without trying to turn it into programming. It's just different media landscape now. The differences are accentuated because of the absence of live sports. So don't expect the trend to stop anytime soon. If anything, it's going to be even larger. The NFL is going to have a big night on Thursday night. They had some big nights with the NFL draft, the combine, and now with the draft or the schedule release party, we already know what the matchups are going to be, but we're going to treat it as if we're walking down on Christmas morning and we don't know what's in the gift. We don't know what's in the present. It's wrapped up. Now we have strength of schedule coming out now. The team with the uh-huh. easiest. I know. The Colts have the uh, easiest schedule coming up. Then it's Tennessee. By the way, the over-under for the Colts and Titans playing in the same uh, division, eight and a half. Baltimore, third easiest schedule. They have 11 and a half win total. Chicago's up there. Cleveland's up there. The Chargers, the Lions, the Chiefs, Pittsburgh, and Dallas. Those are the 10 easiest schedules coming out. Also, I saw the, uh, there's an analytics person at the Mothership who was uh, looking at uh, how this schedule is going to predict who's going to do well this year. Uh, Dallas is going to be a good Denver was a surprise to make the playoffs. The Colts, they'll win the AFC South. This is just some of the surprises here of what we're projecting here. Once we know that the, what the schedule is, who you're going to be facing. And now we look at uh, win totals projections there. What jumped out at you, McLevin? Well, also, he tried to include rookies. It's the Cowboys really high up. They'd be the three seed in the NFC with the Saints and the Niners being ahead of them. You know, I, I kind of agree. I and mean, maybe that's because you've been so kind of not excited about the Cowboys, but it yeah. looks good on paper. And this uh, person, the analytics person is what's Mike his, Clay, Mike Clay, Mike Clay. Of ESPN. Yeah, okay. who st- he tries to go through it by the numbers. OK, so by the numbers, these are the playoff teams. I believe that he has McLovin. You got the Browns, Ravens, Broncos, Colts, Steelers, Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs. That right? Yes, I believe okay, so. I'm then. checking it as you go along. Right. Yeah. It's the a little en- confusing because he actually has decimal points next to his wins, like 11.4 wins. So it's tricky. The NFC has the Eagles, Niners, Seahawks, Cowboys, the Buccaneers, Vikings, and the Saints. Yes, Paul? You know, you get that stat the other day about the Cowboys outscoring their opponents by 100 last year yeah. and being 8-8. Eight and eight. 
here's another one. The Cowboys were the number one team in the in the NFL in total yardage last year. Number one in the NFL, sixth in points scored. They were ninth in total defense, eleventh in points scored, and they won eight games. That's an anomaly because you look back, if you're top 10 in two categories, yeah. you're usually a 10-win team plus. There's going to be four teams that surprise you and four teams that disappoint you. That's usually how it works. And it feels like depending on what your schedule is, you're going to be, you know, you're kind of exchanging places here. And that happens every single year because of strength of schedule. I wanted to know strength of schedule last year and the uh, end result. I got the Raiders had... Is this the toughest schedule, McLovin? Last year, the Raiders had the toughest schedule? I'm still trying to figure this out. Stats have sent us this chart. Uh, I think that they had the toughest, yes. Okay. But I'm double-checking. Well, let me go. Yeah, he, he sent me a few numbers here. Um, yeah, I'm trying to figure this out. Uh, did Washington have the easiest schedule last year, followed by the Giants, Jets, Bengals, Rams, Patriots? Yeah, I I'm not sure. Uh, let's uh, hold and study oh. this because it's very confusing. Okay. But it, it seems, by the way, I noticed that the strength of schedule, all the teams that played the Bengals last year have the, yeah, the Bengals are screwing up everyone's strength of schedule because they were about two and 14. Yeah. So if you have them on your schedule, you're projected to have an easy schedule this year. But how do you know they're going to be that bad this year? I know that it, it's interesting and it's fun to talk about, but, you know, they're going to double their win total. I know with a rookie quarterback, but if the, the Bengals will be better because they'll try to be better this year. But that doesn't mean that, you know, that if you start to look at strength of schedule, somebody's going to be an outlier where you go, wow, where did that come from? What were the Niners last year? Win total was what, nine? Yeah. Nine, yeah, yeah uh, nine, which uh, is not bad, but no one saw that coming. What were the Ravens? Were they I nine they as were well? I think they were under nine. Yeah. I thought they were eight and a half, we said. Yeah, there's going to be surprises here because they're going to be players who are going to excite and exceed uh, expectations. There are going to be players who disappoint. There'll be teams uh, that, that you're going to look at them and say, boy, they're playing in a bad division. You know, I look at the NFC South and you got the Buccaneers and you got the Saints. I think Atlanta's going to be better than they were last year. And I don't know what Carolina's going to be. I look at the AFC South now, he's got the Colts winning the division, and you got the Texans. Are they better? Are they about the same as last year? Jacksonville, yeah, Jacksonville is going to be worse, right? And then were you Tennessee. Surprised by that, uh, were you surprised to have the Colts just uh, edging the Titans? I, I think the Colts, that absolutely going to be a, a, a formidable team. Absolutely. That's why I thought if Brady went there instead of Phillip Rivers, that's a team that could really challenge, I think, the Kansas City Chiefs. But, you know, with Phillip Rivers there, I mean, maybe. I mean, it's an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett. I just thought Brady going there, then it's an even bigger upgrade. Uh, the Buccaneers going into the playoffs, the Browns in the playoffs. All right, that's interesting. Yeah, Paul. I've noticed this week a lot of people down on the Jaguars, even more than usual. I, I, I think they're the consensus to have the number one pick next year. Yeah, but it could be Washington. If I look at strength of schedule here, Washington, I, they have over and under for four and a half for Jacksonville. <laughs> I think it's five and a half with Washington. So it's really one game that may hang in the balance. Maybe two games are going to decide where Trevor Lawrence goes. I mean, that I think it's going to be that close with a couple of teams there. But Washington looks like they want to win. Jacksonville, I don't get, I don't get the feeling. And I understand why you don't want to. 
if you could get Trevor Lawrence right now, if I could say to Jacksonville and your fans, hey, you're going to have four wins this year, but you're getting Trevor Lawrence. You'll, you'll all sign up for that. The problem is, if you have four wins and you don't get Trevor Lawrence, then, then you get Justin Fields, not the same as Trevor Lawrence. Yes, Paul? If I'm Trevor Lawrence and either the Jaguars or the Redskins have number one pick, I stay at Clemson for another year. <laughs> It'd be much better time. You could win some games, get another ring. Well, Tua wanted to stay at Alabama. I'm barely kidding. The money will be there. Zion wanted to stay at Duke. You know, This program brought to you by 1-800-Flowers, the official florist of Mother's Day. Make sure you take me up on the offer. Limited delivery here, so it's important to lock in your order today. Right now, 1-800-Flowers has beautiful Mother's Day gifts and bouquets to order. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com. You see that radio icon? Enter the promo code PATRICK. Uh, welcome to the program. You can get in touch variety of ways. You can email. You can tweet. You can dial us up. You can watch on YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. And you can listen on our 362 radio affiliates around the country and the formidable Fox Sports radio lineup. So Patrick Ewing will join us coming up. I did talk to him yesterday because Fritzy reached out to Patrick and then Patrick said, hey, you got a second, call me. And I call him and he goes, uh, hey, I, I don't enjoy talking about this stuff. You know, I had to live it. You guys got to enjoy it. And I said, look, if you don't want to do it, he goes, no, I'll do it. You're my guy. I'll do it for you. But just so you know, and then I told him about Reggie Miller, Reggie's reaction after watching the first two episodes. And he said, why did Reggie watch? And I said, well, I asked him to do that. And then he laughed. He goes, this isn't fun for us. Just so you know, this isn't fun. He, you know, we, we had to live it. And, you know, and, and now I, I, I got to talk to my kids classroom uh, on Tuesday morning. They want to ask me about Michael Jordan. He goes, this isn't fun. He said, but I'll talk about it here. Yeah, Paul. Do you think it's uh, uh, apples and oranges, but do you think it's a little bit like a guy like us? You got the grade school bully who picked on you when you're in grade school and you go back for the reunion and you're still bothered by that bully. It's not like, oh, let's forgive and forget. It's been 25 years. Let's all hang out and have a drink at the bar at the reunion. That's the guy who picked on you when you were younger and you never let it go. I know it's sports bullying, but Jordan was a, a sports version of a bully. He beat you and let you know afterwards, and he still lets people know. And Ewing had to work for him for years down in Charlotte. I'm sure he let him know all the time. Yeah. It's not cathartic. You know, even Reggie, when he was talking about this, you could tell that he was pained by it. And when I said, what, what would you do if you saw Jordan in a restaurant? He said, I'd, I'd either hug him or punch him. It's real. That's what people have to understand. We're, we look at it with the novelty, and you look at it at the entertainment value. Like, oh, man, that was so much fun. Boy, you got to play against Jordan. Yeah. And they didn't like it. Yeah, Seaton. Well, there was that. If there's one thing to just lose to Jordan. But like you're saying, Jordan has that extra element, and they, they show it in the last dance all the time. It's it, Michael Jordan is in the garden for his last game at Madison Square Garden. He's playing the Knicks, and he's lacing up his sneakers, and Patrick Ewing comes in to shake his hand. I don't know if it was after the game or before the game, whichever, but he Michael Jordan immediately, before they even shake hands, says something like, uh, man, I haven't whooped somebody's ass like that since 84. <laughs> and, like, and you know that he's talking about Georgetown and Patrick Ewing, and it's like, damn, dude, like that was like 20 years ago, and you're still killing me for that. <laughs> that must be that, that, that would have driven me crazy if I was one of those guys. He never forgets. Never. McLovin, you got a poll question for me today. 
Okay, we always do this question, and it's funny today. Uh, of our guest list today, whose career would you want? I'll give you Patrick Ewing, Brooks Kepka, great career, or Mike Florio, lawyer turned NFL <laughs> blogger, huh. who has an awesome man cave in West Virginia. But uh, serious question, uh, we were debating uh, with Ewing coming on. If you could start your team with any center from 1984 on, let's say, who is the guy you would start your team? And we could ask Patrick the same question to see if he goes with himself. You know, the choice is being Elijah Wan, Robinson, Ewing, Shaq to start with. Now, this brings up a really uncomfortable situation I had with Patrick Ewing when we were in San Antonio with the mothership and we were covering the NBA Finals. And that's when I sat, first time I ever sat down with him and got to know Patrick Ewing. That's because of Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson was one of the analysts for the NBA Finals. And we sit down. He didn't invite me to dinner because Mark, I was with John Barry. And John was working on the broadcast with us. And we saw Mark and uh, we said, hey, you want to go to dinner with us? He goes, no, I can't. I, I got other plans. And I joked with him. I thought he was kidding around with me. I said, come on, let's go. We're going to go. There's a great steakhouse. He goes, no, no, I'm, I, I got other plans. I said, well, wait, who are you seeing behind my back? He goes, Patrick. And I thought he was saying my name. And he goes, I said, and he goes, no, Ewing. I said, oh, you're going to dinner with Patrick Ewing. He goes, yeah, and he's not big on the media. I said, you're a member of the media. He goes, I know, but I'm a player too. We're, we're friends from back in the, you know, the Big East days. I said, all right, fine. You go to your dinner with Patrick Ewing. John Barry and I take a stroll in San Antonio. We stumble into the same steakhouse as Ewing and Mark Jack. They're sitting there. And uh, John goes, I'm going to go over and say hello to, to Patrick. And, uh, you know, I said, well, maybe I should, you know, stand back because Mark Jackson says, you know, Patrick doesn't like the media. John goes over. Next thing I know, John's sitting down at the table. And I said, all right, whatever. I'm going over. I sit down. So we talk and Patrick was, you know, he was a little, not reticent, but he was, he was quiet. And then Mark Jackson turns to me and says, why don't you say it to uh, Patrick? I said, what's that? No, which center you would take. Remember, I asked you that question. I went, oh, you got to be kidding me. You're doing this to me? All right. And then Mark Jackson goes to Patrick Ewing. I asked him, I said, who would you take, Elijah Wan or you? And Patrick goes, who did you say? And I said, I'd take Elijah Wan. And he laughed, and he thought it was the funniest thing. And he goes, I probably would too. I probably would too. After that, Seas parted. We stayed there for an hour and a half and just talked. And he had a wonderful sense of humor, had great stories. And I told him all those times when I was at CNN and I, we would cover the Big East tournament. I'd go down to Georgetown. You could never interview Patrick. I always interviewed John Thompson, told him all about that. And uh, ever since then, he reaches out occasionally, asks me how I'm doing health wise. You know, we've had him in studio numerous times. Had him in San Antonio when we played outside. Paulie was Paulie. That's as close as I've seen you to tears or, or being emotional. In all seriousness, that's and I've the, known you a long time. Yeah, that's the most excited I've ever had been to have an in studio guest on my show. I, I fell in love with Pat Ewing in Georgetown when I was a youngster, and uh, to see him show up on a set, I was like, I never thought that day would happen. <laughs> There's certain athletes I, we expect to have on, or Adam Sandler, and, but when Pat Ewing walked in and he was so super cool and told me stories and. Sent my shot into the river. It was really cool. Yeah, Paulie, I said, what's wrong with you? He goes, I, I, 
you know, he, he was the guy. I mean, we all we loved Georgetown growing up. I had a Georgetown jacket. And Everyone did. <laughs> he was the coolest. Uh, what other poll questions do you have there, McLevin? Well, I have an NFL one. If you want to do, I mean, here's the question. Okay. Do the teams in the top 10 for strength of schedule have a better chance of turning around now because they have easy schedules? Like, uh, do we expect the, the Browns to be good because they yes. have one of the easiest schedules? Well, I, I expect them to be good no matter what their schedule is. The Bears, I think Nick Foles is going to be the starting quarterback. I think with Nick Foles, you have a chance to be, but I think they're over-under is like six and a half, something like that. You know, so the Bears, are they a 500 team? The Chargers got an easy schedule. You know, there's a big question mark at quarterback with Tyrod Taylor and does mm-hmm. Justin Herbert become that starter eventually? The Lions better be good because there are going to be jobs lost there. I think they did well in the draft. The Steelers, still not sure about them with Ben coming back. Do you take Cam Newton if you're the Steelers? I had a conversation last night with the source, and I said, hey, that, their backup quarterbacks aren't very good. And, you know, he said, oh, Duck Devlin and Mason Rudolph. I said, yeah, they're not scaring anybody. What if Cam went there? And he said, well, it would be an adjustment, I think, for Cam. And I said, well, how would Ben take this? Really, that's what it's all about. And he said, you know, Ben is probably playing this year and that's it. That, that would be my guess. Ben's going to play one more year. And then you have somebody coming in to replace him. And he said, you know, the tricky part is... When you leave, you don't necessarily want your team to be better when you leave. Because then it's like, uh, hey, glad to get rid of Ben. We got Cam in here. Now we got an even better team. He said, with Ben and his ego, it's always a little tricky. But if Ben is playing at Ben's level uh, and he's still got his arm strength, you know, it's not like he's got mobility, but he has his arm strength, then they'll be fine. He goes, I, I thought that they were going to go after Hertz or they would try to get Teddy Britt. There were other players that I thought they were going to bring in. And I said, well, would you bring in Cam Newton if you were the Steelers? And he said, yes, I would. Because I can't trust Ben to be healthy the entire season. He's a guy who takes hits and you got to have a good backup here. And I said, all right, well, he said, but I think Cam probably gets signed after training camp. And maybe if somebody gets injured, that's probably because he wants to go in as a starter. And if he realizes nobody's going to take him, would he take the Steelers opportunity if it was there? So Just some intel. Also, what I told you yesterday at the end of the show uh, pertaining to college football, I'm going to bring that up again after the Patrick Ewing interview, just so you get that information, because it's, it's important information. This is being discussed by the conferences. Behind the scenes, this is being discussed of what the possibility will be for a college football season and how the different conferences are going to be affected by this, how scheduling is going to be affected by this, out-of-conference games are going to be uh, you know, affected by this. So there's a lot there. I had it at the end of the show, but I'll, I'll bring it to your attention in about 20 minutes from now. We'll take a break. The great Patrick Ewing will join us and begrudgingly talk about the greatness of Michael Jordan. 20 after the hour, this is The Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to The Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for The Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Dan Patrick Show brought to you by Mercedes-AMG. Be prepared for whatever comes your way. It's the all-new GT four-door coupe because life is a race. Visit your local dealership for a test drive today. If you miss any of our interviews this week or any week from the Mercedes-AMG Man Cave, 
Go to the DP Show app where you can watch and listen from inside the Mercedes-AMG Man Cave. Mercedes-AMG driving performance. Got our poll question right, McLovin? Did we lock in? Yeah. I put up the center one. Just You don't have to say anything to Patrick, but if you could start a team with any center from 1985 on, would you go with Ewing, Robinson, Elijah Wan, or Shaq? Mm. I didn't put Tim Duncan. Not on that list, right? Different position a little later. Yeah, I don't want to bring this up to Pat. Well, I can because maybe he'll he'll remember that. And uh, how about after Patrick's on? Then then we okay. can maybe broach the topic here. But th- we have an NFL poll then. Okay. I'm just saying that so you don't have to share that with Patrick. Oh, I really I really have the center poll up on DanPatrick.com. Oh, you do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what did you find out about this strength of schedule? Okay. So the uh, the Bengals, Rams, and Seahawks were supposed to have easy based on the preseason strength of schedule, but they ended up having three of the hardest schedules of the season. Then the Raiders, Packers, and Jags were supposed to be hard schedules and ended up having three of the easiest ones. It's That's last the, year. Last year, right, to show how different it is. The Packers particularly had what ended up being a really easy schedule last year. I remember they ended up 13-3. and three. This is based off expectations. Right. This is based off the 2018 uh, records. Okay. So we're looking today at strength of schedules based on last year's records. And as you pointed out, it never ends up that way. It can, it ends up skewing in a much different direction than we think because teams change so much. The teams that have the hardest schedule coming up this season, Atlanta has the toughest schedule. Then it's the Giants, Jets, Broncos, and Carolina. Is that right, yeah. McLevin? Yes. Okay. Uh, then you have the Raiders, you have the Rams in there, Washington and New Orleans. If I'm looking at this, and I'm, I'm just looking at the, the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes here. The Giants and Jets are at six and a half. Washington's at five and a half. Washington, with that difficult schedule, could end up with, you know, maybe five wins. And they would be, they're certainly be in the thick of the sweepstakes there for Trevor Lawrence. Um you know, you start to look at these other teams. You know, Cleveland's running out of time for excuses there. The Browns should be very good this year. I expect them to be a playoff team. Tampa Bay, I don't look at them as 10 or 11 wins, but I look at them as a playoff team. But I thought that even if they didn't get Tom Brady. There, there will be one or two teams that we can look back on this conversation and go, those were the two teams you're talking about. Two teams that will move up and they will surprise us. Now, that could mean they're a playoff team, but they end up with 13 wins. Or you were projected to be a playoff team and you fell out and you had seven wins on the season. Yeah, McLovin. When you're talking about this, do you just not think about injury because it's too much of a variable? Well, you have to factor it in, but you can't. You don't know where that injury is going to take place. Patrick Mahomes last year, we thought his career might have been over. We thought his season was over. If you, if you just look at that, it could have changed everything. That could have changed the history or the, you know, the, the future of the NFL. If Patrick Mahomes ends up with a career-ending injury, that would that'd be it. Kansas City doesn't win the Super Bowl. Like, it changes everything. It changes the next 10 years in the NFL. I mean, that's the magnitude of these injuries that happen, and then you realize that it wasn't as serious as you thought. He's Patrick Ewing, the uh, Georgetown head coach, a Hall of Famer, member of the Dream Team, and boy, he can't wait to tell you all the great things about the Jordan documentary. Patrick, where do we start talking about all the wonderful things about Michael Jordan? (laughs) Hey, look, 
I had to live through that. I had to live through him, you know, all the battles that we had to go through. And now y'all have a documentary that I, you know, have to keep, you know, rubbing it in my face. Are you watching? I watch some of it. Were you- I watch some, you know, I watch a little, then I shut it off and go through other things. Like I said, you know, it, it, uh, I live through it, so I don't need to watch it. I know he's great. Were you interviewed for it? Yes, I was. And what did they ask you about? They asked me a million questions. You know, for I, I, I think they might have showed me on it uh, a, a small, uh, small piece of it. But I think I, I, they interviewed me for about an hour. I think you're coming up. I think you and Reggie Miller are going to get some airtime coming up. I, I told you this yesterday when I talked to Reggie a couple of weeks ago. Like it's still painful for him. He he hated he hated talking about it. And the only reason why he watched the documentary is because I said, "Hey, will you watch it so we can talk about it?" He said, "It's no fun." He said, "It's fun for you guys because you get to watch it and go, oh, Michael Jordan's so great.' You know, it was painful for us." Oh, definitely. Um, you know, as as fans, you know, people are are you know in awe in awe of him. But we're the ones that had to battle him, and every and you can't as as a as a competitor, you can't uh, think of him as you know this Michael Jordan, one of the greatest players to ever play the game. You're out there trying to kick his butt, and you and your team are trying to do everything possible to to try to uh, to try to beat that team. Is there, a, you know, I, I look back, there's that clip where Mike's last trip to the Garden, and is it after the game where he said something about, I haven't handed out this kind of beating since 1984 when he was talking about the title game with you in North Carolina, Georgetown? <laughs> well, it wasn't even that, it wasn't even a beating. We had an opportunity to win, to win that game. We just, you know, like every game, uh, it's all about <laughs> mistakes. And we made a crucial mistake at the, you know, the last possession, turned the ball over, and uh, they sealed the game. But, you know, that's just Michael. He's he's a great guy. He's, he's, been, he's a friend. But he's, he's the biggest trash talker that I've ever met, B- both he and Bird. But when did he become a friend? Because, you know, the Bulls and Knicks, you guys had real battles. But when did you when did you become a friend of Jordan's? Well, you know, I think we've been friends ever since we met each other on our visit uh, on my visit to North Carolina. He had already he had already committed. That was the first time I met him, and you know, we just uh, developed a friendship since then. We uh, we we played in the McDonald's game together, uh, spent some time then, and then over the years, you know, our friendship grew. We both re- were represented by. Uh, the same. We had the same agent, uh, both Dean Smith and Coach Thompson uh, were great friends. So I think all of those things, um, you know, uh, created gave us history. How close were you to going to North Carolina? <laughs> you had to bring that up, huh? <laughs> um, you know, I imagine that team. Uh, you oh, know, funny, when I look God. back at it, you know, if if I had gone there, it would have been me, my, myself, Michael, Worthy, Perkins. Uh, that would have been a hell of a, uh, a front line. Oh, my goodness. But, you know, I, I made the right decision. I went there. I I didn't like it as much as I thought I would have. Uh, so I chose to go elsewhere. And, you know, it's funny because Dean Smith told me, if you're not coming, if you're not going to come to North Carolina, you should go to Georgetown. So I listened to him.
Yeah, good advice there. We're talking to Patrick Ewing, the Hall of Famer, Georgetown's head coach, member of the Dream Team. Do you know why Isaiah wasn't on the Dream Team? No, I don't. But you might. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody has, everybody speculates. You know, everybody, you know, has one thought or another. You know, I, I didn't worry about it. Isaiah, he was a great player and possibly should have been on the team. But, you know, I don't get into all that the politics. I, I, I always – what I heard, and, and these are reliable people that I heard it from, is that, you know, Michael wanted an atmosphere that was fun. You knew you were going to win. You knew you were going to win the gold medal. Michael and everybody, they wanted to have fun. Mike wanted to play golf and, you know, play cards and be with his guys. And Isaiah was not part of that fraternity. You know, that this wasn't a basketball decision. I could have played point guard for you, Patrick. It, this, <laughs> this, this wasn't about, hey, if we have Isaiah, we're going to win by 67 over Angola. It was just, I think it was about friends getting together. And that was the feeling I always had. Well, to me, it was uh, all about showing the world our dominance. Uh, we had lost uh, in the previous Olympics. Um, I remember we lost to um, to uh, Brazil, and I remember I forgot the young man's name. He's ye- you know yelling on the TV, uh, "God bless America!" So you know we we were the seal. We were the eighteen that, that uh, America sent to go kick butts and take names and bring and show the world the dominance that we have in terms of basketball. And because of that, because of, uh, you know, we were like rock stars everywhere in the world. All those guys, all those kids that were playing soccer, they fell in love with basketball. You're not touching the Isaiah thing. I get it. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, my, mo- my mother raised me right. No, yeah, no, I got it. Player. Hey, I got it. I got it. I just, being a <laughs> journalist, uh, do you, what do you remember about that practice where Michael and Magic kind of going at each other and then Michael said there's a new sheriff in town? Oh, I, I remember vividly, um, you know, those two are always talking trash to each other. You know, my, Magic wanted to make sure that Michael knew that he he still had game and he was, you know, he had to go through him to to, <laughs> to, to get the throne. And my, Michael was, you know, of course, as Michael is, always had a chip on his shoulder. He wanted to show him and the rest of the guys that he is the big dog. So you know the practices were 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 the were the best thing uh, best game um, you know in terms of uh, the, the games against the other country it was it was it was a piece of cake but going the, the the games against each other when everyone is trying to you know impress uh, our 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 coworkers those were the those were the games. Did Clyde Drexler show up with two left shoes to practice one time with the dream team? <laughs> No, why are, you, why are you bringing up all the negative things? Well, no, no, I'm just why asking. I, 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 I was just, I, I told people this story yesterday that Michael was so rough on Clyde Drexler because somebody had the audacity to say Clyde was as good as Michael or Michael, you know, that competition that they had in the NBA Finals. Right. And I said there was a story that Clyde showed up with two left shoes for practice. <laughs> Well, Clyde is a great guy. He's a he's a great competitor. But and you know, Michael, anybody who who his uh you know Michael view as or, or people view as uh, somebody that's close to Michael, he tries to do everything he can to 
demoralize them or to you know show them that he is he is number one. He it plays these mind games with with guys, and I think that both he and Charles were trying to play mind games with with, with Clyde. Did Clyde show um, up with two left shoes for practice, Patrick? I, I plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> you have me understand the lights are all uh, the lights are all in my eyes. I plead the fifth. <laughs> what did you keep? What did you keep from the dream team? Um. I well, obviously my medal. Yeah, you know I have my medal. Um, I had I have the shoe, but I've moved so many times I, I can't find it. it it's, it's, I have the medal, but uh, it's funny because I had lost my medal because you know it was ninety two and I moved so many times. I've lost. I, I couldn't find both of my gold medals. Oh boy! And um, you know I was able to uh, to get it back. And I think my my house got broken in New York. Uh, at one point, I think they they stole they stole my medal. So I was able to uh, I called the Jerry Colangelo, and it was great uh, to be able to you know get me uh, two replacement medals. So I have my medals and I have my uniform. And apart from that, I think everything is in storage somewhere. Had you ever talked about losing your medals? Somebody stealing your medals before? I had not heard that. No, this is the first time. And oh, Jerry, Jerry, you know, Jerry, I spoke to because I had to get, uh, you know, uh, replacement medals. Oh, but yeah, man. this is the first time that I, I really spoke about it. Did they take other memorabilia? Um, no, they took those. They they did take my championship ring, my college championship ring. But uh, someone tried to sell it on eBay, and I was able to get that back. Man, that sucks. Yeah, sometimes it, it, it sucks to be uh, well known. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, I'd never, i never heard that story. But you know, thank God Jerry Colangelo was able to get replacement medals for you, man. Yeah, see, he, he took care of me. He's a great guy. Yeah. Are you going to watch? Uh, if you know you're going to be on the documentary, are you going to watch the episode? Uh, I might watch a little and turn it back off. Look, it's like I said, I, you know, I don't, I don't need to watch it to know uh, what he did or you know how they beat us. Um, you know, I think it's great for the, the new, the young generation to see how, how dominant he was. Uh, but I mean, everyone is. I don't even need to watch it. Every time uh, something comes on, it's on, and I'm always getting a text. You're on. <laughs> oh yeah, I might I might try to start to use it as a recruit. It's funny because one of there's a recruit, uh, a young man that we, you know, is coming to Georgetown, and I, I, I he asked me who I thought was was the better player, um, you know, Michael or or LeBron, and I told him Michael. So now he's texting me. He's like, Coach, I see what you're talking about, <laughs> Michael. Michael was he was a beast. <laughs> but are your children asking you about Jordan? My my son. It's funny. I, before I got on the call, he was I was on his Zoom call with his, with his first grade class, and you know he's not really into basketball yet. But uh, I was uh, I, I was on the phone with Michael a couple of weeks ago, and he's like, "Dad, is that Michael Jordan, the guy that's on my shirt?" I said, "Yes, that's him." He's like, "Can I say hi?" I said, "No, <laughs> I said, no, you don't want. I don't want you talking to him." <laughs> Mike might trash talk your son. Yes. Yeah, I know he would. <laughs> I know he would. That's the kind of guy he is. Oh, you're the best. You're the best. I did tell the story when we first met in San Antonio when Mark Jackson put me on the spot and said, hey, tell Patrick who you would take, either him or Akeem. And I said, 
Akeem, and then you let out the biggest laugh, and I think you even said, I might take him too. <laughs> well, Akeem was a great player. We had a lot of battles. Um, we were very similar. Um, unfortunately, uh, he, he the only time that I was able to play in the championship uh, in the finals, uh, I lost to him. But I guess he was getting me back for us beating uh, the Houston, <laughs> Rock, uh, Houston uh, Cougars in 84. Yeah. Five slam a jamma. Yes, but you know, my, Mark did put you on oh, on on blast. Oh. But you know, the funny thing is, though, Dan, that's the that was the first time that you and I really sat down and got to know each other as as, as people. Before I just thought of you as one of those media guys. Yeah. No. It, hey, I I came away from that dinner and I thanked Mark Jackson. I said, "Look, I'm glad you put me on the spot because I." It, and you even said, look, I appreciate you, you know, telling, being honest with me right to my face. <laughs> because before that dinner, I always loved Matumbo more than you. But after that dinner, it was, it was you, Patrick. <laughs> well, you know, he's, 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 he's more of a people person than I am. I'm, I'm person. Was, he's the life of the party. <laughs> oh, if people only knew the real personality you have. You, you hid that so well for so many years. And I went to Mark Jackson. I said... I'll be damned. He is funny with a sense of humor. He goes, yeah, he doesn't want you to know that stuff, so don't tell people. And I went, oh, <laughs> sorry. Well, you know, when people when people see me or they, or they judge what they see on TV, they see me with, with my game face on, my scowl, you know, I'm playing, I'm sweating, you know, I'm giving elbows every now and then. So, you know, they when they when they make judgment, they make judgments on what they see on TV. But, you know, yep. they sometimes they never try to get to know what what the person really is off the court. Uh, good stuff. Great to talk to you. And uh, go Hoyas. And uh, I'll talk you to you go. soon. Thanks, Dan. Thank have a good one, man. That's Patrick Ewing. He's a treat, man. He really is. He's And he's right. Like, I had no idea who he was. I had no idea. And then you just think that's a guy who doesn't trust the media, which I get uh, how he was treated growing up in uh, Boston, uh, going to Georgetown, the whole thing. I mean, that was a big, big deal. That's why when people say, well, Michael, greatest player, college player of all time, he wasn't even better than Patrick Ewing. And I don't mean that by even Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing's one of the greats of all time. He's a better college player than Michael Jordan was. All right, we'll take a break. Play of the day up next. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. By the way, the chat row, we gave you the opportunity, the responsibility to come up with, design a T-shirt. And from sources close to me, Substandard. Whoa. Yep. That's, that was the general consensus yesterday after the show. Some sources close to me said, need to do a little bit better. Step up your game. And uh, for that, more information on that, we go to Seton O'Connor. Seton, uh, can you help the chat row with some ideas to come up with a better T-shirt? Well, I think we just wanted to let the actual creative members of chat row send in their submissions. Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh. wow. <laughs> Wow. I'm just kidding. That was it. They've the um, chat row <laughs> likes to have some fun with me. So that was just my one chance to get them back. They're going to have um, some fun with you now. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of Mario, it's going to be you. Well, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it's the creative ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I just think we could get some more submissions. Let's just see uh, what else is out there. All right. I said by Friday, do I have to extend this now for the chat row to come up uh, with their own T-shirt? 
Let's see how they respond. Okay. All right. I wanted to bring this to your attention. I, I brought this up at the end of the show yesterday, and it had to do with college football. This was the information I got. Here's the uh, text that I received uh, yesterday morning. It reads, here's a consensus going on around the conferences. If things progress at a predictable curve, you're going to have 10 games with a later start date in the fall. You're going to have nine conference games. Regional games take preference, which means less travel. No FCS games. Players return mid-June or early July. And I follow up. I say, what do you mean by regional games? Ohio State would play Akron or Kentucky. Illinois would play Northern Illinois or Missouri. You would bust to more games, not fly. And then uh, I said, so no conference games, no non-conference games. And then my source said, the conference that's struggling is the Pac-12. California is a concern when it will open, and they stretch from Washington to Arizona. Money is a concern. Um, uh, as for the Pac-12, not many regional options, UNLV, New Mexico, Portland State, Reno, etc. That's the information I got yesterday. Starting college football a little later in the fall, you would have 10 games, you would have nine conference games, and then you would have one non-conference game, right? That's, that's what I'm told right now. That's what's being discussed by the commissioners with these conferences. Brooks Kepka is going to join us. And uh, final hour, we'll talk to Mike Florio about the schedule release coming up on Thursday. One hour in the books, two more to go. Seton, Paulie, Fritzie, and McLovin, yours truly here on the Dan Patrick Show. 